Jackson Sabonis two-man game inside. Domas dominant, dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid, and he got some dog in. And the steal, they can tie it with a three. Murray, yes, a Murray miracle in the desert. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast presented by the Kings Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today. Got a special guest, Adam Taylor, who covers the Boston Celtics for Celtics Blog and now the Green with Envy Pod as well. Also, for anybody unaware, which I feel like longtime listeners will know this, is probably the reason, not probably, the reason that this is named King's Pulse, because you and I did Celtics Pulse forever ago, and it was, in a way, both of our starts in this industry, and we've both grown a lot since, but... My guy, Adam Taylor. Yo, what's, what's good, up, man? man? It's like the fifth, maybe sixth time I've been on. Twice a year since you've been doing the show, I've shown my face. That sounds about right. And makes sense timing-wise, you know? And we're doing this right after the Kings played in Boston. And Boston ended up coming out on top. But it was also the return of Robert Williams, who did uh, end up in a little bit of foul trouble. But I th- still think him having out there him being out there makes a big size difference, especially when Sacramento has a little bit of some smaller lineups, but I'll just throw it at you vaguely to start. Like what were the standout things to you in that game from yesterday? For the cells, I'll, I'll break it down by team. So for the Celtics, it was Tatum getting to the rim and working in the post. We haven't seen that much all season. A lot of people are like since the all-star break and yeah, in terms of getting to the rim, but it felt like that was his most post touches all season. The Celtics opened up with um, a cross screen to get Al Horford a cross exit, so they got Al Horford out of the paint and then onto the weak side corner, put Tatum up on the post with an empty side on the strong side, so it was like a pinch post action. And then they go from there, and then you see Tatum kind of working between low block and high block. And his size, he, his position, he's usually got a mismatch. He can match up. You know, he was guarding Sabonis for a stretch. So I think that was a big standout. The Celtics also went to a switch-everything system, which I felt like helped limit the DHO threat from Sabonis and from the Aaron Fox. Flipping over to the Kings side of things, the standouts were really Sabonis is just a beast. I don't, that shouldn't be a standout. Like it's Everybody knows it, but <clears throat> when you only see him play twice a year, like you know, you know what it's like covering a team yourself. You kind of focus on that team and maybe you'll focus on a team that they're about to play. So you don't really see much of other guys around the league. So Sabonis really stood out to me. Uh, just the amount of DHOs you run with him as well. Like he's just, the, the, he, he is your trigger man, right? He it's nonstop. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Aaron Fox was good. I thought you guys run some good sets. There's a lot of stuff you do there action wise. That was really fun. Uh, defense was just, you just, we knew coming in it was going to be a shootout, but defense just felt like it was just any time you wanted to get to the rim, you could. Uh, which brings us back to a discussion we had earlier in the week when you was over on the Green with Envy show, where your season variance does look very similar to what the Hawks did, where it's going to be matchup dependent once you hit the postseason. Yeah, I want to start with you say it's more it's the most post ups you've seen from Tatum maybe all year. Do you feel like that's just taking advantage of of Sacramento's? size difference or a lot i mean it shouldn't be Mm -hmm. but it probably was but it shouldn't be like tatum's very useful there he can facilitate from the post he can run action he can score fadeaways he can face up and beat you off the dribble like a lot of celtics fans have been calling for them to run more through tatum on the post um 
I tweeted this out earlier. A lot of his shot diet recently has been pull up threes. He's shooting twenty nine percent on pull up threes. Like, no. Like, if you if you score enough to catch, fine. But for the rest of the time, I want you driving or attacking out of the post. So yeah, I definitely think that there was some scheme there, some scouting there. But ideally, I'd like that to be like the success they saw from it. I'd like them to kind of start building on on top of that instead of moving straight away from it. Yeah, that, that definitely uh, makes sense to me. And on the other end, you kind of mentioned switching everything for, for Boston. And I think that Sabonis ideally is the type of guy that you struggle to switch against, but Boston just has so much size. Like there's a time out there yesterday where I'm like, Tatum might be as tall as Sabonis. You know, Sabonis is big, but he's not like a Joel Embiid Giannis out there. He's not a ginormous human in the same in that same way. And he really might be the same size as Tatum, which I think is more so of not Sabonis being shorter than listed. I think that Tatum Tatum is tall, man. Isn't there wasn't there something about like he's grown X amounts that's coming into the league even? Yeah, dude. Like he's six ten now. So he's the same height as Robert Williams. Yeah. So let that sink in. Like him and Robert Williams are the same height. And I remember the joke I had when I came back from Boston uh, last month was like, I remember walking, I'm six free. And I remember walking past Tatum and being like, I don't even come up to the dude's shoulder. Like he's just tall, tall, like it's ridiculous. Um, And that in part is why the Celtics seem to have a size mismatch across the floor. You have Jalen Brown, who's traditionally a free playing at the two. You have Tatum that could play four or five size wise playing at the three. And then you have Al Horford and Robert Williams in there or Grant Williams and Al. There's just so much size on there that it really is difficult to find a mismatch in terms of like body on body. There was a time where it was Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, and Robert Williams against De'Aaron Fox, Terrence Davis, Malik Monk, Keegan Murray, and DeMontis Sabonis. And I was like, I think three players on Boston are as big as Sacramento center right now. And, and the crazy part is, like, outside of Robert Williams, everyone on that in that lineup can pass dribble shoot at a high level. They're all three level scorers. Um, they can all screen for each other. They're all very viable, like, short roll guys to create actions out of on the short roll. And that's where Boston really made an impact to start the season, right? Like, everything they did was based around the fact that Robert Williams was injured. You had Al at the five, which meant you have five ball handlers, five decision makers. You can run at pace and you can score from anywhere. Um, it was only once Rob came back and they reincorporated him back into that starting five that Missoula's offensive scheme started to fall apart a little bit because now you didn't have five ball handlers. You had It just got a little bit weird. Yeah, definitely makes sense. And I want to get to one of the clips. I have two clips here, each about, you know, just 30 second clips or so from Jalen and Jason post game. And, and just starting before we move too far on from the, switch everything little conversation that we had and specifically how that relates to Sabonis. I got to ask Jalen about that yesterday. So here is that clip. Jalen, you guys were obviously able to come out on top tonight, but what sort of unique challenges does Delmonis Sabonis present when you switch as much as you do? Yeah, Sabonis is a dog, man. You know, I've been a fan of his game uh, for a while now. You know, how physical he is um, and, you know, how he is, you know, patient but deliberate, finds his guys, those DHOs is tough especially if you don't pick him up above the, the three-point line. If he gets too low, you know, he can put you in a bad spot. But I think tonight uh, we tried to keep him as far away from the basket as possible. And he still managed to 
affect the game. What do you have a triple double tonight? Yes, he did. Yeah, so nah, Sabonis is a dog. Uh, I'm a fan of his game. Hopefully that's loud enough for people on the YouTube side. I'll I'll do some little bit of editing for the audio side, but yeah, I think that being able to switch and then also pressuring the ball handler, right? Like we've seen this with Russ. We've seen it with Draymond, for example. I think that Draymond and Domas have a lot of similarities on the offensive end and they, and they have their differences as well. But I think when it comes to the playmaking and also just running a similar scheme to what we've seen in Golden State for the last couple of years, that pressuring that decision maker, even if he's not really a threat to pull that mid range all too often, I think really does a lot for taking a team like Sacramento sort of out of their rhythm. And and there's no better. I mean, maybe there is like Milwaukee or some other top tier teams, but I think that Boston is one of the best teams that could be able to do that the way they did last night. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I've been focused on this year is pick up points. How high up the floor are you picking up? opposing players primarily ball handlers but also like shooters whether you're denying the passing lane or you're just trying to force them away from their spot and with fox it's really difficult right because if you adjust your pickup point to pick him high up the floor and he blows by you well now you need to rotate over from the weak side then there's a kick out to a shooter in like sacramento have got good shooters around the perimeter so you, it's not really like you can pressure too high up the floor in terms of pickup points so instead what you need him to do is as you said, you need to pressure the ball. You need guys that are willing to dig and recover or stunt and recover, depending on what terminology you use. And then you just need to be able to really play the angles and force him onto his weaker hand, force him towards traffic. But that's really hard to do when he's curling off at the HR or he's already built up speed and he's just hit, he's in blur mode and he's just became the flash. Um, I think the Celtics done a good job, but... I. I always go back to a quote from He Got Game when I'm talking about star players, and that's um, you, no, you can't guard him. So you, all you can do is hope to contain him. And when it comes to someone like Fox, Sabonis, Tatum, Brown, your game plan is to contain them, come in with a number in your head, like 25, and be like, right, if we keep him below this number, we did good. If we didn't, well, we messed up. Yeah, I don't think Tatum's number was was 40. So they probably didn't do a great job from Sacramento's point of view. I mean, who knows? I guess Mike Brown's always going to come in with high expectations. But if we're being realistic about how much Sacramento can do to stop him when it comes to personnel, you know, maybe the number is 40. <laughs> but no, I, but if you shut everybody else down, yeah. then, you know, like whenever the Celtics play Giannis, I tweet the same thing out. Let Giannis be Giannis. It's everybody else that's going to finish the game. Like Giannis can't like Giannis finished with 40 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Cool. So he's made say all the assists are on twos just for argument's sake. So he generated 60 points on his own, including the 10 assists. As long as you shut everybody else down and you score more than 60, you should be okay. Um that's Which generally I, I, my attack. And I think that we've seen a couple instances where like Sacramento's coaching staff is with you there. I think just against Milwaukee, they had the same theory, but then they let Chris Middleton get a couple easy ones in the beginning of the third quarter. And then it's like, okay, that guy took them home. And I think that you kind of saw that in this game with Boston too. I know that Jalen's another one of those guys, like you just hope to contain, but I thought he really got going. And then both teams were just shooting the crap out of the ball, man. There were yeah. times, especially that first quarter, I was like, okay, I guess we're racing 140. Like, I don't know what's what's going on here. I don't want to hear no more complaints about the All-Star game because neither team was playing elite defense. <laughs> no, not at all. And 
yeah, I think it just came down to like the possession game, right? I think the offensive rebounds stood out a lot and that number ended up evening out to where Boston did only get one more, but second chance points, Boston got 17, Sacramento got five. So just converting on your offensive rebounds and the turnover battle, it's the least amount of turnovers that Sacramento's forced any team into being five for Boston and uh, 14 for Sacramento of their own. So I thought that stood out a lot. I want to get to one other uh, quote that I have here from Jason Tatum, and I think it will lead into a little bit of a coach of the year conversation because I thought Missoula was the guy headed head to head with Mike Brown to me before, but I think that opinions have updated. So I want to get your thoughts on that after this quote. Nosedived. So yeah, I mean, they did a lot better uh, than they have been in recent years and give a lot of credit to Mike Brown. Uh, you know, those got the guys playing a lot better. Uh, you know, Fox is, like I guess he's playing at all NBA level and Sabonis has uh, been great for them. And, uh, you know, they just play with so much pace and uh, I feel like they, all those guys got a lot more confidence. Um, and, you know, when you're playing with confidence and freedom, you know, naturally you know, um, open, open things up uh, for you as an individual and as a group. And uh, they've been on a roll. Yeah, shout out uh, Tristy Rodriguez from NBC Sports California for asking that question and getting that clip. But post-All-Star break, Sacramento's 11-4. and four. They're one of the hottest teams in the league. And it's worth mentioning, by the way, and I did a post-game pod yesterday, so not getting too deep into it, but five games and seven nights for the Kings. I've never heard of that before. That's, That's like 1990s scheduling, dude. So ridiculous. Back to How back. How old did you in the 90s? What was that? How old was you in the 90s? Were you uh, even I was only alive for three of those years. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I was alive for each and every one of them. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Did I miss out? I know. Like, I was like between the ages of like what? Three. I know. No, not really. Not Yeah, like 99 was a cool year because we went into the millennium and there were parties and stuff. Everybody was worried about um, computers crashing with the millennium bug. And shout out to anyone that remembers that on this episode. Uh, but, dude, like, no, there was no internet. I couldn't watch basketball. <laughs> tough, tough. All right. I'm, yeah, I'm, glad, hard, I'm glad when I came about. Yeah, yeah. But post-All-Star break, I think Boston has been struggling a bit, right? Eight and six post-All-Star break. What have you seen from them in their struggles? And where have you been at with uh, Coach Joe Mazzula, specifically when it comes to Coach of the Year conversation? I was really high on Missoula to start the year. And then over time, I've become not high on Missoula, um, to be polite. <laughs> I think his decision-making is poor. Like, um, his game management, sorry. Like, it started the season, he wouldn't call timeouts. And you understood he wanted to let guys play through it. But sometimes you don't call a timeout to let your team play through it. Well, stop your team playing for it. You do it to take the other team out of rhythm. If somebody's getting hot, you try and pull, you try and put a stop to it. Like there's a whole tactical tactical mentality. So that was a problem. His rotations have been questionable. Uh, you know, when Missoula, like there was a quote that came out yesterday uh, from an interview with Malcolm Brogdon in Baddy Sports, and uh, Brogdon was like, "Hey, when I got here." Everyone was telling me Joe Missoula was the mastermind behind Boston's defense last year. He was the guy that kind of like orchestrated their like league leading defense, the same defense that took him to the NBA finals. I don't know what happened this year, but he hasn't masterminded that this year because they might be fourth 
And it's really tough, right? They're fourth in the NBA at the minute for defensive rating. I genuinely don't know how. Like, recently, they've been giving up leads left, right, and center. Um, it feels like any time they come up against a guard that can beat them off the dribble, they're screwed. Uh, rebounding, I think, like, defensive rebounding has been an issue. Boxing out has been an issue. But a lot of the problems started after the All-Star break. Um, I think that up to the All-Star break, Mazzula was definitely a Coach of the Year frontrunner, hence why he got to coach an All-Star team. I was still high on him going into the All-Star break. I think his offense is great, but it's repetitive and it's limited and it lacks creativity. Um, as you probably saw by the amount of like spammy actions they run, they don't like they don't add versatility to the same action. After the All-Star break, he's just been he's argumentative with the media, which I think is always a bad sign because the media control the narrative, like it or not. You know what I mean, like. They're the ones that take these quotes and create them into whatever they create them into, um, which Jaden spoke about after the game. You sent me the text, right? Yeah, we'll um, talk about that a little bit. So I think that plays a part as well. Like, if you treat the media bad, the media aren't going to be as defensive of you. And, like, I wouldn't be that way, but there's definitely going to be people out there that feel that way. But, yeah, like, I don't know. I just think Mike Brown's done a better job with less talent. And I wouldn't say less talent in terms of, like, your top-level, top, level, top and guys are all really, really good. But Boston has eight genuine starting caliber guys in their rotation. So Missoula's done what he should have done. A lot of the Celtics fans are like, you could have dropped anyone into that situation and they would have won 30 to 45 games just because the talent's there. Yeah. Brown came into a team that had Luke Walton and Alvin Gentry and turned him into a team that looked like they'd been coached by Steve Kerr for the last five years. So, you know, I think Mike Brown should be coach of the year. I don't think that should be in question. I agree. I'm with you. I think that some of the other standouts, like Mike Malone, Mike Budenholzer, it's like no. those have MVP candidates. Those are teams that have been there. Like outperforming expectations to this extent, I think it should be run away for Mike I do want to say that I genuinely believe the beam has been a huge reason why you're winning so much. Dude, I think it's so funny to me that there's like an alternate reality where they start the beam thing this year because this was decided coming into the year, right? Where I just think it'd be so funny to live in a world where it just never got lit. They've like <laughs> 25 times. <laughs> Do you know what the thing is though? Like, it's such a way to kind of engage your players into playing hard and trying to win. Because it's one thing losing and then everybody finding out in the morning and like in the newspaper sports section or on Sports Center or whatever. But now they're broadcasting the result to the entire city in real time. It's like, boom, we, everyone knows the Kings are playing at home today. There's no beam. Well, they lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'd be embarrassed driving home. I want, If I was a player, I'd be like, I, wanna, I wouldn't leave. I'd be like, right, from every time the beam doesn't get lit, I'm sleeping in in the locker room until the next time it gets because I don't <laughs> want to be seen around the city, dude. Yeah, it's not warm enough, you know. It emits this warmth. So. Yeah, I mean, not warm enough in Sacramento. Come on, man. <laughs> Fair You're enough. Talking to me it, here. I, I do think it's a lot of like gimmicky things, and, and gimmicky sounds like I'm like condescending, and I but can't think gimmicky, of a better word. When did gimmicky become bad? 
It's not. And, and like, I, I guess that's my point, right? Is that I think the beam is a, is a great thing. The Kings have this like defensive player, the game chain that I know some other teams have too. I think it's taken from Denver because the Kings have Denver's uh, what was Denver's defensive coordinator last year. Now on this team, Mike Brown has like a leadership council that he decided on with De'Aaron <laughs> Domas, Harrison Barnes and Davion Mitchell. He made everybody sign a, something at the beginning of the year, a contract saying Coach that I am committed to this team. It has three copies of them. One that he always brings on the road. Like that is the most, like, to be honest, like high school stuff. Yeah. that I've ever heard. It doesn't sound like professional works, sports, dude. but it works, man. And it's it's just a way to bring the team together. Gentleman. His yes. leadership comes in the league of extraordinary. Coach Carter, I mean, look, man, you have to do what you... Like, the Kings are a young team for the most part. So you have to play to your audience. I mean, that's something because content creators we speak of all the time. Play to your audience, know your audience. It's the same as a coach, right? Know your team. If you've got a lot of young guys that will resonate with that type of coaching style, then that's what you need to do to get the best out of them. I mean, the leaps that Murray's made this year and um, Kessler Edwards has made this year, like it's obvious that they're completely bought into the development system there. They're bought into what the coaches are doing. And if that means that they have to sign a a commitment contract, (laughs) then uh, so be it, dude. It's hilarious, but it's clearly working. The guys all clearly have a great level of respect for Coach Brown. So it's funny to hear initially, but I think that type of stuff it really does uh, make a difference and kind of add up. I guess last thing before we get into this All-NBA conversation, which was supposed to be the primary thing, but of course we're going we're gonna to touch on all this stuff as well, is these Jalen Brown comments recently. And Logan Murdoch of The, Re- of the Ringer wrote this long piece, and an extremely long piece, by the way, that I thought was great. Interviewed so many different people. He talks to Kyrie about his time in Boston, and Jalen gets to talk about his time with Kyrie and clears up a lot of things with like Jalen's agency that there was a lot of drama surrounding initially that he ended up leaving. Like an extremely long piece that touches on so many topics. At the very end, he talks about you know, what is your commitment like to Boston and says that he was pretty non-committal. And that's the quote that of course gets aggregated and put everywhere. Right. So when, when people are, I I mean, understandably so, you know, but like, I think that I I only pointed out all that stuff about Logan and his piece because yesterday Logan is in the room when Jalen gets asked to clarify and Jalen just kind of goes on this little rant of like, I love, I do like my time in Boston. We're a 50 win team. And then says a little bit of stuff about sometimes media likes to portray some quotes in a certain way to fit their narrative. Right. And it was an interesting sort of scenario to be in, but I'm curious just what your perspective has been on, on these quotes from Jalen and how you've, taking the things that he said yeah i mean for me it was kind of like i don't understand what was bad there like his quote was i want to play where i'm happy i want to play where i'm wanted i want to play in a team that wants me and i want to play somewhere where i want to be like never never said i don't feel wanted no just i want to make sure i feel wanted like duh like yeah that's pretty much 
that's like saying I want to be with a girl that or a man or whatever. I want to be with a partner that wants me. Well, yeah, I hope so. Like otherwise, why are you with them? Like I want to be in a car that works. I want to be on a plane <laughs> that flies. Like yeah, it was so basic and everybody read into it on so many different levels. And I feel like Logan probably caught a little bit of heat for that. And I'm saying Logan like I know the dude. I don't. Um, but I feel like he probably caught a little bit of heat for that just because of how everybody else conceptualized it or contextualized it in their own minds. And obviously, Brown for the Celtics has been a discussion point all season. You know, is he going to stay? Should they trade him in the offseason to recapture some assets in case he decides to leave? Like a lot of Celtics fans, like Brown has been the best player for Boston since the All-Star break. A lot of Celtics fans will tell you that they would much rather trade him than lose him. Because if you lose him for nothing, while you're still in tax trouble, like the, you're not going to have the same core. You're not going to be able to re, like tr- sign someone off free agency at that level because you just won't have the cap space. You don't have the draft picks to make another move. So a lot of fans have been talking about potentially could he, could they have to trade him? So when this this can't came out, and he hasn't just outright said I'm re-signing in Boston, which everyone should know better than because of the Kyrie time, um, and the Al Horford time, and everyone thought Al Horford was going to sign, and he ended up joining Philadelphia as kicking the nuts. Um, I, I think that people just read into it a bit too much. Whether or not he stays is completely on Jalen, uh, but he never said that he wasn't going to stay. Agreed. Agreed. And I, I think that Logan caught some unnecessary crap for that. And I see why it's frustrating for Jalen. Like I posted that clip that I played of Jalen earlier and instantly everybody's like future Sacramento King, future Sacramento King, because it's just like, he just had these comments and like, I see something on Bleacher Report right here two hours ago from this piece that Logan put out on the 21st. I, I guess that was uh, yesterday at this point. But it just says Jalen Brown on his future with the Celtics. The full quote is, I don't know, dot, dot, dot. I will stay where I'm needed and treated corrected or treated correct. That is so far from the full quote. And that is on Bleacher Report for the way they presented that rather than on Logan. So I think this whole situation is interesting. Um, It was just. And they're playing into the Jalen being in trade talks pretty much every summer since being drafted. Yeah. You know, he was in trade talks for Kawhi. He was in trade talks for Paul George, I think. He was in trade talks for Anthony Davis. He was in trade talks for Kevin Durant twice, three hmm. times all maybe. All these MVP caliber players. What do you Yeah, know? how dare you want to trade yeah. a secondary star for an MVP candidate? How dare you? Um, but yeah, I just think it was taken out of context. And I don't I think it was a Logan's article. I do also think that Jalen Brown is the perfect type of guy for the Sacramento Kings team. Just saying. Just saying. I, I think Keegan yeah, Murray, Harrison Barnes in draft picks. Let me know. No, it'd have to be Davion Mitchell. Oh, fine. I don't care. Hold well, on. I'm not was tough, but <laughs> it'd have to be Davion Mitchell, Keegan Murray, and Kessler Edwards. I want your entire court young core. I just do that. That's not an amazing young core if we're being real here. Is it so, not? No. Sure. Okay, no, I mean, so we're going to throw Fox okay. in there. Too. No, let's calm down here. Steve. And then we're going to throw us a bonus in there. You know, anyone <laughs> listening, I'm, I'm genuinely joking right now. Yes, Please don't yes. at me. 
I like the um, clarifying because <laughs> I feel that you go on another team's pod. If you say something out of line, they will let you know. So yeah, I, and like, I don't mind if I've said it and I'm really, and I'm willing to stand by it. But I don't want no one being like this dude wants everybody for Jalen Brown. Look, Celtics fans back me up, but no, I, I don't need that. I think there's a lot of Kings fans that like we don't need to get too deep in the conversation. I think as we just said, like not. It, I don't think that it needs to be like a huge conversation right now or anything with like trade Jalen, but. Anybody that says they wouldn't include Keegan Murray, I think is crazy, is what I'm going to leave it at. But I, I know I, I, that... The reason I said Davion Mitchell is because Smart showed a little bit of regression this year. He's nearly 30, and Davion Mitchell is one of the closest things you're going to get to a Marcus Smart. If he had four more inches, he would be one of my favorite players, man. But if like <laughs> if it was possible to get like a Tyrese Maxi instead, and I laugh because when you suggested Maxi at draft night that year, I was like, no. And now I'm just like, man, why couldn't I get Tyrese Maxi? Uh, well, we don't need to talk about my Peyton Pritchard take, so it's all good. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Now streaming. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Does that. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, now streaming only on Hulu. I've uh, left that alone for a few times now. I, I appreciate you there. So the second part that I want to touch on here with you is just all NBA teams because... As in I like think, all NBA is in like every team in the NBA or all NBA is in the all NBA at the end no, of the year? No, and I realized as in the awards at the end of the year, and I realized my mistake in that wording or like the way that could be taken because I try to look up like what some people feel right now. And I just ended up with a list of 30 NBA teams <laughs> on Google. And I was like, what the hell is this? When you and said I was you like, were okay oh, with all it. NBA teams on your text, I was like, yeah, I could talk about some other teams. If I, if I knew that you were oh. actual all NBA teams, I would have wrote them down. Oh, like, got oh, you. My bad there. I, I came in here <laughs> ill-prepared, dude. Like, you need to be better at quite <laughs> clarifying. That's, that's totally my fault. <laughs> that's totally my fault. If you're okay with it, we'll walk through what I have listed. I'm just and... going to say agree or disagree. I'm not even going to try and put mine together on the fly. Okay, there's you're too totally many good. variables. That's why I was confused in how you were responding. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> That is pretty freaking funny. You thought I was just going to sit here and be like, yeah, okay. Atlanta, Brooklyn, Boston. What do you yeah, so then when we came on air before we started recording, <laughs> and I'm like, I've primarily watched the Celtics, but I've dabbled with other teams. And you're like, that's cool. I'm like, yeah, all NBA is in. Like, I thought you wanted it to be like, what teams in the East are the biggest threats? What teams in the West? I didn't realize you meant like all NBA is in like, who's first team, second team. <laughs> got you, got you. That is so funny, actually. Okay, well, yes. Again, we won't get too deep into it, right? But what I want, 
so dead about that. That's so funny to me. A lot of our conversation makes so much more sense now to me. <laughs> okay. So the first thing that I looked up is on last year's ballot, what's the least amount of games somebody played and made the team? Because that's a like point 35. of contention. 35? Come on. No way. No way. I mean, some of these voters are nuts, bro. They're probably still voting like Michael Jordan in on first team. All of... <laughs> Somebody uh, with 35 probably got a vote, but nobody made the team. Okay, the... let's be more serious. I'm going to say 60. 55. Okay. But it's Kevin Durant. I think there's an aspect of like, okay, but it's this guy, right? There's yeah, 56 sure. also, but it's LeBron James. And then the next one, and by the way, those guys didn't make first team. KD made second team. LeBron made third team. And then John Morant was the other one that was close, 57 games played, um, but he was second team. So I tried to kind of, when I had my pool of players here, go roughly off those numbers that like, because I, I felt like it's so much easier to draw a hard line yeah. rather than figure it out. And yeah, it's more so me. Like Zion with one game in 10 million years. Right. Yeah. And it's more so me attempting to predict what I think would happen rather than my own awards, which I don't know what really the difference is. I guess they're similar, right? No, they're exactly the same. Yeah, they really are, actually. <laughs> Once I said it out loud. <laughs> um, okay, first team. I think there's four super obvious ones in my mind. Luka Doncic. Yeah. Who's a guard. I'm going to leave the other guard spot open for now. Um, I have one here, but I think the other locks are Giannis Antetokounmpo. At the forward spot, right? And by the way, for anyone unaware, two guards, two forwards, and one center. They still do centers in this award, which is weird, but whatever. Works out for Domas later in this. But Luca's the one guard I think is an absolute lock. I think the forwards, to me, is Giannis and Jason Tatum. I agree completely. Okay. And then the center, this is a debate as of right now, but I think it's Embiid over Jokic right now. Do you know I'll go the other way? Okay. And I would have a week ago. You know, like, I think that they're so close right now. And I think that Embiid is playing out of his mind recently. And the Nuggets are looking like the Kings on defense as of late. So I, I think that that's a coin flip, though. I, I shouldn't have said that, like, Embiid's a lock. I think that Embiid and whoever between Embiid and Jokic doesn't make first is making second. You know? Yeah. I get that. So then for the second team, or the second guard there, and, and I'll list some of these other names here for you as well, by the way. Um, there's Steph Curry, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. There's Donovan Mitchell. There's Damian Lillard. I kind of think that's everybody it's, that's in contention here. I don't really think De'Aaron Fox is in contention here. There's, a, By the way, just to go through this, I like wrote my guard pool. Right, just a vague pool to start. The amount of ridiculous guards in the NBA is just insane. Right. I just mentioned Curry, SGA, Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard, De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, James Harden, John Morant, Trey Young, Darius Garland, Devin Booker, Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brunson, Zach Levine. Like there are so many good guards. Ridiculously and not one of them good. Was guards. On the Celtics. Because I put both of them in forwards. 
No, I'm I saying put, that the, the, the no goth was on the Celtics. But this is a weird thing with Jalen. I guess it's just like you can choose to vo- vote him guard or forward. And there's been yeah. times somebody doesn't make a team because the votes are split. And it's I mean, like he's got he's got like um, super max contract floating on this. Yes, and I think that Sabonis he doesn't have the same. Um, it, it's not quite the same, but it is like. 30 million for Jalen Brown. I think it's a similar number for John Morant, for example, if he makes this team. And, and seriously, if they could just share a little bit, you know, I wouldn't mind. Just a percentage, just a sliver. So who have you got at that other guard spot then? I put Donovan Mitchell. I think that Donovan Mitchell has been so good. You've talked to me about how, how good you think Cleveland is. This was a little while ago, but he's played 62 games. He's been on fire for most of them as well. 27.4 points per game on 47% from the field, right around 38% from three, and like just really leading that Cleveland team. I wouldn't have been mad with, honestly, any of SGA, Curry, or Dame in this Dame spot. would have been my choice, but I think that's more name bias than it is performance bias. And I really struggled at like... Like Dane's rap, did you see that video of him on the rap, doing a rap on the plane when they were stuck in yes. the snow? Like this that was, was they, enough that for was me right to vote. They were going to sack. That was enough for me to vote him all in <laughs> because it was fire. I listened to it like ninety times, and he probably has like the most like I don't know forty, fifty plus games. Right, Donovan Mitchell has yeah. his seventy-one. But winning has to count, and he, they're they're thirteen seed Portland. 13. Yeah, this is what I mean. Like producing on a on a contending team versus producing on a tanking team, uh, whether they're intentionally tanking or just doing so because they're bad is re- irrespective. Like it is pointless. I genuinely believe that Dame's all NBA chances are hurt because the Portland Trailblazers are so low, which is why I'm like, yeah, Donovan Mitchell makes perfect sense. So that would be Luca, Donovan, Tatum, Giannis, Embiid for you. And then it would be Luca, Donovan, Tatum, Giannis, Jokic for me. Okay. So second team, first of all, center. If you have Jokic first, you have him beat second team. Yeah. Okay. And then for guards, I actually ended up putting Dame on my third team, man, because of that 13 seed. That's fair. I think I'd have him third too. And there's other great I don't have Jar like, on any of them either, by the way. I don't either, but it was close. And I think that all this shit surrounding him is enough that puts That's out. why I don't have him on there. Yes, but I know I was just on Dame for his record, but and there's a lot of potential fluctuation for where OKC is at right now. They're half a game out of the sixth seed, but they're half a game out of the 10 seed. But SGA is putting up 31 a game, and I know Dame's at 32, but yes, SGA's 31 on 51% from the field, man. And that's with five and a half assists, 4.8 rebounds. With a worse supporting cast as well. Yes. And like, I don't know. It's hard. I can't look at 30 points per game and not say that somebody belongs on this team. 30 is insane. I'd go SGA. Who would you go as your second guard? Though That's the harder question. I went with Steph Curry. He's played 47 games, which is where this is close, right? But it's Steph. they have, it's Steph. And I think that that 55 mark, I think that they can get there. If I do some attempt at at quick math, they've played 73 games this year. They have nine games left. 
and Curry has been playing as of late. And so if he plays nine more games, he's at 56. Okay, I can see that happening. KD made second team last year on 55 games. Yeah, but yeah, you know? yeah that's fair. And Steph's been ridiculous. In the games that he's come back, he has a 50-point game. There's a 40-point game. There's two 30-plus games. He's played nine games since he's came back. He's averaging 31 on 50% from the field, 45% from three on 12 shots a game. Like The thing is, it's not even like I can argue and be like, no, no Steph. Because anyone you choose, you're like you're choosing them over Steph Curry. So right. like it's it's tough, right? Like in my head, I feel like Jalen Brunson probably deserves some love. But when it's Jalen Brunson or Steph Curry, I'm gonna have to go Steph Curry. Yeah. Okay, so actually maybe we stick on the No, I was gonna say maybe we stick on the guard conversation, but let's do these forwards on second team real quick. I think that I put Jalen Brown in forward. And I will say it's because maybe this is an unfair advantage, but I feel like it's so much harder to make guards than it is forwards. And I think that Jalen deserves to be somewhere on this list when, like you said, partially because he's your favorite player. I did used to love Jalen Brown and I'm not (laughs) going to lie. Actually, aside from my first times, like being there in, in like media, I my heart was pumping yesterday waiting to ask a question to Jalen. And I don't like I didn't feel super nervous like going into it, but then when he sits down, man, I was just like, man, this used to be my guy. Like <laughs> you should have so, said, dude, you've retweeted me once. <laughs> right? Um yeah, no, it's it's funny. I do I did used to love Jalen as as a player, but I also think Brent, he's been for anyone that can't see Brendan is blushing. <laughs> Anybody not on the YouTube. Um, I, I did put Jalen here, as you said, he, he's been great post all-star break and his numbers are nice, man. 26.7 points. He's got 6.9 boards, three and a half about assists, 49% from the field, 34% from, um, from three as well. And I guess I should throw like the list of names out here first, but we already locked in Giannis and Tatum after that I have. Guys like Jalen Brown, Julius Randle, Jimmy Butler, Laurie Markinen, uh, Paul George, if he he's close to that same like 55-ish number, kind of flirting with it. And he's um, just been rolled out for two to so three weeks. Yeah, and reevaluated in two to three, oh, which no, that's good that last. it's only that because that injury looked so bad, actually. I haven't seen it. It looked it was pretty scary, actually. I thought he was done. I thought it was ACL. It looked really bad. Um, Pascal Siakam, DeMar DeRozan, like Jaron Jackson. And then there is also Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard. But all of these guys are not on pace to meet that like 55 mark. And they're old. I'm going to go. You see, LeBron would have been like first team to perform. If he'd stayed healthy this year, he would have been MVP level. Um, because he was playing ridiculous. I'm going to go J- Julius Randall for that other forward spot. That's exactly who I went with, actually. Yeah. He's been so good. Yeah, dude. It's like it's unfair how strong he is, man. And they, the way, they like LeBron... the Knicks use him very similar to what Sack used Sabonis as like a like an initiator. That that, that what trigger man has become kind of common nomenclature in NBA circles recently. It's the same thing. Um yeah, Julius Randle, and then I've gone Jokic, you've gone MB. No. 
I've got Embiid, would, you've got yeah. Jokic. Yeah. And and for what it's worth with LeBron, um, he is currently at 47 games. And I think the last I'd seen, it's like could be back at any point. And the Lakers have, without counting, just roughly say everybody has 10 games left, right? It's right around there, give or take one yeah, or two. Yeah, no, no, 10. So he could get really close again to that 55 mark. Um, and I'm prefacing that because he's on my third team. <laughs> okay. And also, I didn't like, I don't know. How do you feel about like Jimmy Butler, Pascal Siakam compared to these guys? Jimmy was a popular one I saw, but I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I he like was struggling I, hard to start the year, dude. And I'm just like, I want consistency if I'm going to put you in an all NBA team. And Miami's just not been. I, I think they've actually been one of the more disappointing this teams this year compared there's to just no, there's no balance to their roster. There's no and that's depth, not on Jimmy, no but like no. I couldn't get there. Um so I guess since I since I started on forwards, I did go with LeBron. I didn't put it, it was tempting to look at like Pascal Siakam or even Jaron Jackson Jr., man. I don't yeah, know if people would put Ju- him as power Jaren forward Jackson or center. A lot of the season. OG's on a losing team. Yeah. Yeah. So I did go LeBron there. And then I thought the other one was pretty easy for me. I, I put Laurie Markinen. He's played 63 games. So you snubbed Durant completely. I did not include Durant because, let's see, uh, these games played. I looked this up before. Where did we go? Are we not using the Bullets Kevin Durant qualifier? I think some people will. He's played 42 games. and So he could get to 50. He could get to 50. It depends when he comes back here, right? Yeah, I mean, so I'm could... gonna go. I'm gonna go LeBron and KD because it's LeBron and KD. But I think that very fair. Lowry Markinen has been very, very, very good, and, and Chicago also, are very, very, very sad about it. I think some people will also say, um, "What is Kawhi's or Paul George?" By the way, obviously just went down. He has 56 games played already, though. I think that I haven't Pascal seen Siakam, Kawhi all season, to be honest. Like, I haven't watched any games where he's been on the floor. Yeah, he's played 44, and he doesn't play back-to-backs. I think they have 9 or 10 left. Um, so that's going to be a close one. Again, I just drew that hard line because it felt easier than like trying to be subjective with all of these. The other one, I, I do want to shout out Pascal Siakam because I think the jump in his playmaking has been just amazing. Yeah, he's year. definitely improved. Yeah. So then for my third team, guards, I do have Damian Lillard. Again, Luca, Donovan Mitchell, SGA, Steph Curry, and then Damian Lillard. And after that, I don't know what to do. Jalen Brunson. I think that Devin Booker deserves a shout. Do we not because... choose Booker? See, this is my Eastern Conference like bias, right? Like Booker should definitely get a shout over Brunson. But Booker's played 44 games. He is back, and he could reach right around that 55 mark. And but Booker's averaging 28. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Um, What's Brunson averaging? Brunson currently is 64. Where am I here? He's averaging 23. But yeah, he has played 64 games. He's played 20 more games than Jalen Brunson. You know, like, and the thing is. 
you look what the Knicks were like last season without him, and then look at what they're like this season with him. And I, I feel like that's something that needs to be kind of like you know, I am aware the word is that needs to be respected. Is the difference in like um team success. How do you feel about James Harden? I love James Harden's league in the lead in assists last time I checked. I think that yeah. I used to hate him and then I started to love him. And now I just think that as he realized he'd lost a step explosively, he just became this, like he honed in on his playmaking. I would be very happy to say, screw everybody else. And Harden gets that all NBA third team. Nod. And I think when you're leading the league in assists, you deserve to be on an all NBA team. He's averaging, what is it? Right around 20 and 10. Let me see here. Yeah. 20.1. And 10.8 with 6.8 rebounds as well on 44% from the field. Yeah. And, and to see his like, sort of change his change his style a bit, I, I think yeah. deserves some credit too. Let's go Harden. So we'll go Lillard and Harden. Well, okay. I have to mention De'Aaron here. And his <sighs> whole argument, this is where it's so tough, bro. I'm telling you, like, exactly what we've gone through. And I think it's good to be able to have this conversation actually. Because this is exactly how my thought process went, right? Okay, so then, but if I was going to choose one of the two, I'd swap in Fox for Lillard because, again, I'm going to factor in winning. Which, yeah, might be the argument, but 32. (laughs) 32 32 on a team that's not winning. Yeah. No, that's fair. That might Might be the way to go. It's making the same difference. That might be the way to go. Or maybe even book over Dane. Like, no, nah, I'd go De'Aaron Fox over Book for playing time. Yeah. De'Aaron has played um, – let me see exactly how many games More. he's played this season. He has hardly missed any for the team this year. He's played 65 games, and he's averaging yeah, 25, 51% and, and, from the field. It's the clutch. It's the clutch numbers. He's leading the league in clutch points. He's ridiculously efficient in the clutch, and the Kings are in the clutch games him. way too often. Tatum gave him a stamp of approval for all NBA after last night's game. He did. He did. I'm going the Aaron Fox. I'm going the Aaron Fox, and I'm going uh, the other person that I said. James Harden. James Harden. There we go. So that gives me, for me, I've got Fox, Harden, Durant, LeBron, and then as a big man, I'm going to go. Let me let me go through some of these bigs for you, right? First of all, Al DeMontis Horford. Sabonis. Oh, yeah, I forgot we haven't done Sabonis. Bam Adebayo. You can't have Fox and Sabonis, though. Why not? I think there actually are people that will, that like, I, I think that is totally a way of, yes. yeah. I, like, oh, Brunson and, and Randall can't both make it, you know? I think the other bigs that stand out, right? Bam Adebayo, who I wanted to get your perspective on, Brooke Lopez as well. And then I think, like, just like to shout, but not really considered as Miles Turner and Jaron Jackson. And Al Horford. Um, he was like, he's leading the league in big men for three point shooting. Do you think um, Time Lord would be here if he was healthy all year? Yeah, but he's never going to be healthy all year. So that's not kid ourselves. Fair, fair, enough, um, fair enough. Out of that group, Sabonis is the best. I think that if it wasn't Sabonis, I'd go Bam because Bam's such an offensive hub and he's also in a, like a ridiculously elite defender. Um, he can defend one through five legitimately. He can run a bunch of different actions through him on the perimeter, on the post. He's a good rebounder, good shooter, good scorer. I, 
yeah, like if it's if if I'm not going Sabonis, I'm probably going Bam. But again, I'm going to factor in winning because I think when you're splitting hairs like this, then contribution to winning needs to be an important like deciding factor. So I would go Sabonis, but I wouldn't be upset if I saw Bam. I think I would be. I'm not gonna lie. Like I wouldn't be upset if I didn't see De'Aaron. But I think that Domas deserves that third team. The one other one, though, would be Bam. That's the one that, like, I could see, right? Yeah, After and that, I could like, understand it. Is Brooke Lopez part of this at all? No. In your mind? No. Okay. The defense. No, like, I just, I it. think he's exceptional. And, like, he's had a really good year. He's been one of the better defensive bigs, one of the better rebounding bigs. But at that point, then, you're like, well, Sabonis and Bam have both been just as impactful with weaker supporting casts. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, we gave a shout to James Harden leading the league in assists. Demonis Sabonis leading the league in rebounds. There we go. And DHO's made, probably. He's got to be up there. Shout out to David Locke. Screen <laughs> assists, man. Domas goes crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but these numbers, man, 19 points, 12 and a half rebounds, 7.3 assists on 60.8% from the field. He's got 59 double doubles. He's got the most in the league. 59. Like I've got 54. Yeah. Yeah. And and um <laughs> on my NBA season. There you go. There you go. I'm on my player. Like <laughs> no, look, I think that people look at rebounding as just an easy stat. And I kind of just want to shout out, like, you know. It ends a possession. It triggers a new possession. If you're an offensive rebounder, then you're limiting the opposite the opponent's chance of a transition play, which means you're taking away the need to get back, which means you're saving guys' legs. If you do that consistently, you're probably saving multiple miles a season of wear and tear on people's body. Uh, then you've got your kick-out opportunities. You've already got the defense in the paint, so you can create freeze. I think that rebounding is one of those things that a lot of people look at on the butt score and like, yeah, you just grabbed the ball and it bounced off the backboard or off the no, like they're very integral into a team's chances of being successful. If you've got a league leading rebounder, then you are you have someone very, very valuable. Now when he's doing that and scoring points and contributing to winning, he needs to be recognized. I agree. So to walk through the teams here, um, that you did talk me into adjusting a bit. You're welcome. And also Apologies for my miscommunication, but I appreciate you powering through with me. Um, I tried my best. You're totally good. I, I wanted your Eastern Conference perspective, so I think it worked out well. Um, first team, Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid. Second team, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Steph Curry, Julius Randle, Jalen Brown, Nikola Jokic. You and I had Embiid and Jokic swapped for those teams. Third team, you talked me into taking Dame off, which is tough, but somebody is going to get left off. One or two fan bases, probably freaking five fan bases, are going to be sad that they're going to make it. Screw sad. They're going to be fucking mad. They're going to (laughs) be pissed off. (laughs) And that might be Sacramento, I will say. But ended up settling on James Harden and De'Aaron Fox. I went Laurie Markin and LeBron James. You went Kevin Durant and LeBron James. That's fucking so funny to me. I'm saying I put Laurie Markin over Kevin Durant, but I stick it with it. And then um, Devonta Sabonis, third team. So. I appreciate you doing this with me, Adam. Um, anybody that not only wants to keep up with the Celtics, but you are somebody that knows basketball as good as anybody else that I know and have helped me along with that a lot. Adam Taylor, NBA. 
on Twitter. Um, what else you want to shout, my guy? Celtics blog. You write for Heavy Green with Envy podcast. Yeah, I do a lot. And of does film everything. Break- I do a lot of film breakdowns over on Instagram. So if you those are Instagram, amazing, I try. I try very hard. The help with Insta didn't screw us, but there you go. Um, I've been saying that on every podcast possible, just so everyone knows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you do like X's nose, I do post breakdowns on there at least two, three times a week. I like to draw on there and make pretty boxes show up and stuff. And that's it, really. Like you know, I'm just anywhere. Just Google at Adam Taylor NBA, and it'll just show up every single social media platform and some will be working and some won't um okay. and brendan's like dirt after show do you google brendan nunez nba and it'll be the same it'll show you <laughs> nah, nah, twitter nah. instagram youtube that's what it does you search the handles that's oh, what no, my dad likes to do my dad my dad does that shit my dad's like hey i just googled you i'm like Pops, why are you googling me bro because if you go if you google a handle it will just show you all of the different social platforms so i'm not saying like oh you don't know who i am google me no i'm not being a dick i'm like just no, google the handle and it will show you every platform okay i do see this does work i trusted I you know. i just had never done it before Gotcha. You say this, but I'm sure you're the one that told me if you Google your handle and then click news, you can see things that have been aggregated about you. News? No. Uh, maybe I did say that forever ago. Maybe I did. Oh, this is that, That's the one. If you want to do an ego stroke, that's the one you do. <laughs> Sports Kita comes up, man. That's the throwback. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, again, Adam Taylor, appreciate you hopping on, man. Always good catching up with you. Everybody, be sure to take a look at the King's Herald for all the great content from the guys and gals there and take a look at their Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the King's Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And we'll hear from you again next couple days.